and the Lord will give you a great and a very exceeding reward. Hallelujah. And he will show you how to love like he loves. Amen. Do you know that there is love and there is love? Some of you, you get depressed because people are showing the Valentine card they got or the chocolates they got online and you are shaking. Some of them just went to Asa and they bought it. Some of them, they went to the corner shop and they just got it. And they took a picture of it knowing that this is how you will feel. Do you get it? So don't be moved by it. Some husbands are in trouble because their wives are angry. Yeah. But may we all be delivered from the pressures of men. Do you know that? Yeah, we put too much pressure on ourselves. And then we try and put the pressure on others. Tell your neighbor, don't allow anybody to put pressure on you. I was having a conversation, I don't know if it was Shawnee, and I was like, real love doesn't wait for Valentine's Day. If your spouse will only show the level of affection he has for you once a year, you are a very miserable person. And your life is really miserable. Because 365 days of the year, you are the best thing that happened to him or her. It's not only 14th February, even 28th June, 16th July, 13th August, 11th May. I mean, whatever. when he wakes up and he sees you, or when he calls you and he hears your voice, Valentine should be there already in the air. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? You people, you are not serious. You are not serious, I tell you. You know? In this month of Kesed, one of the scriptures there, which is Titus chapter 3. We are about to look at what we'll look at, but let's look at what we are looking at. <laughs> oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. Okay. From verse 4, I'm reading the NLT. It says that, but when God, our Savior, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Now let's look at John 13. So now I am giving you verse 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Amen. If you want to know lover boy, you have to know Jesus. If you want a real, real, real lover boy, 
your lover boy is Jesus. Uh, is somebody hearing me? Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Give us the last one, First John. Give us that one too, the NL thing. That is the real. Some people call themselves lover boy, but they, they, are, they, they are short. I mean, if they are measured, they won't even mark up. Ooh. Give us first, John. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's amazing, isn't it? I tell you. Hmm. Oh, can't you give it to us? Yeah. First John 4.16. We are looking at the real lover boy. It says that we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Some of us, the people we have put our, tr- our trust in their love, it's like since they said, I love you, you yourself, you can see that they have been failing since that day. God is love and all who live in love, live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Amen. So you, for you to even become a better lover to your spouse or to your future, your growing imperfection of loving comes from God. Oh, you don't understand me. Remember what I said on Sunday? That if you want to have a certain kind of relationship, you have to become Christ-centered, isn't it? Yeah. Because that is, that is where we learn how to love properly. Not this fake imitating. Today, people just made money. All the shops who sell Valentine cards, chocolates. They have made money and they thank God for a day like this. They are, they are, they are grateful that a day like this comes. But yes, you know. So now let's come and lay some good foundations. For the last couple of Wednesdays, Reverend has laid quite a few for us, isn't it? The word, prayer, fasting, oh, yeah. And um, today, God willing, we'll try and add one more. Amen. First Thessalonians 2 verse 8. Father, we thank you so much for this evening. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this atmosphere. Have your way. We ask that the entrance of your word will bring illumination into every area of our lives, O oh Lord. And as we behold your word, may we become more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. i read a few verses. We'll look at a few things, and then we'll go home. And when you go home, remain in the spirit if you are not married. And if you are married, get out of the Holy Spirit and get into the other spirit. Preach, Pastor, preach, Pastor, preach, Pastor. First Thessalonians. It's amazing, Reverend Sam. The people who should valentine themselves, they don't valentine themselves. And the people who should go straight into their bed and sleep alone, they don't go and sleep alone. First you know, one of my sons in London sent me a message. He was like, Mommy, the last few Sundays, 
I'm always nervous when I'm listening to the message and I don't know what you're about to say. <laughs> First, there's another this. You know, yesterday I got a message from Bishop Joshua and I didn't read it for a while <laughs> because I wasn't sure, you know. And then when I read it, I responded. I said, Papa, thank you. I shall continue to say it in Jesus' name. First, so I have my spiritual father says that I shouldn't stop saying it. And I should say it clearly, distinctly. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. First Thessalonians 2 verse 8. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Have you seen what people who really love do? Where is Ogechi? Come and stand by me today. Me and you, we are preaching together. So for my assistant pastor, can you put your hands together for her, please? John 21, verse 15 to 17. The Bible says that after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. There's nobody who is so loving and it's like, it's like, do you love me? I, oh, I love you. Sometimes even when they are saying they I love you, then they use a different tone. Do you understand? Do you know that especially adulterous married people, they have that, I love you for their wife, and they have their love you for their uh, shibi shibi. Whatever you call them. Yeah. Slay queen. Today's Wednesday, isn't it? So we can say anything. Okay. You know I love you, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. You see what Peter was trying to say? You want to see blood? I mean, what again do you want to see? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. By fire, by force. Why? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This evening, I came here to tell you that soul winning is a demonstration and an act of love. Amen. And you can see the instruction Jesus gave you can see the way Jesus was putting pressure on Peter, you know. And 
There's a very simple song that I want to get you to sing. I pray that we know it. If we don't know it, we'll learn it. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go, go, go. Go, go, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go. Go, go, baptizing all in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. Go. It's a very simple song. We can all join and sing it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. Go, go, go.
15 the Bible says that just keep your microphone up with you you can go and sit down you didn't choose me I chose you I pointed you to go and produce lasting fruits so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name verse 17 this is my command love each other amen so the becoming productive and producing fruit is a sign of love and it shows that we love God and we love men. That is what we have been instructed to do. So what is soul winning? Soul winning, number one, is a demonstration and an act of love. I'm going to run through a few things. I want us to get as much through, and then we'll go home quickly, and then we'll go and fall in love with either Jesus or, yeah, Reverend sends his greetings anyway. Reverend has really bribed me. I didn't know I was so bribable. Remember I told you on Sunday I was going to tell you something? He has totally bribed me, and I failed totally, so unfortunately, you won't get to know what I was going to tell you. I think he got a bit of help from Reverend Sam, so. And, and from Kieran, so. The, the. So winning is preaching the word of God, giving someone, are you writing? So winning is preaching the word of God, giving someone an opportunity to give their lives to Christ and save them from going to hell. I don't care how good you are without salvation, you are not heaven bound. I don't care what anybody tells you. Through this, the person can become a child of God and enjoy his goodness and inheritance even while on earth. I'll read it again. So winning is preaching the word of God giving someone an opportunity to give their lives to Christ and save them from going to hell. Through this, the person can become a child of God, enjoy his goodness and inherit an inheritance, enjoy his goodness and inheritance even while on earth. So winning is based on being a faithful witness. To proclaim and declare what we have experienced and know to be true. So you cannot be a soul winner if you yourself have not experienced it. And if you yourself don't believe that salvation is only in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no other way by which men can be saved. But you yourself must have experienced it. And you must have experienced it and know that it is true. Amen. And so winning must be 
the ultimate result and aim of any form of corporate or individual evangelism. So winning must be, as we go on, we realize that actually every program, everything we do, that should be the aim is that. So my prayer for us is that if you are not saved tonight, it is a good day. You will never forget that you gave your life to Christ on Valentine's Day and you found a new lover. When, I think it was in, 1992, 91. When did that song come? That guy. You know, there are some uh, pop stars and things. They make one song in their life. <laughs> Isn't it? That, that's all. I think, I think he was called, um, ah, Alfred is here. He helped me. He was old enough. Um, yeah, he was called, um, what's the guy's name? Shabarangs, isn't it? And he made a song called Lava Lava. Hey, you, you know it. Father, I pray for salvation over your church. <laughs> eh? Lava, lava. Is it, didn't he make a song like that? Why are you people looking at me like what I'm saying is not true? And why are some of you who actually know it behaving as if you don't know it? Everything is under the blood of Jesus. What's your problem? Isn't that the only song he made? I mean, do you know any other song of Shaba? Everybody, a child, in, those, in, that, in that season, Reverend Sam, one of the first things a child who starts talking says is Shaba. <laughs> Why should every Christian be a soul winner? Remember that we are still, this year, we are saying that we are going to foundations, isn't it? Why should every Christian, why every Christian should be a soul winner and why every Christian is, you know you can be something but you are not doing it. You have doctors who don't practice, isn't it? You have lawyers who don't practice. You have mothers who don't look after their children. You have fathers who don't look, do you understand? It doesn't mean they are not fathers, they are just irresponsible fathers or or irresponsible, um, yeah. I was, Phoebe, for some reason, was asking me about one of my elder brothers who passed away many, many, many years ago, you know? And at the time he passed away, he was probably about, he was in like year nine, year eight, year nine or something. And she was like saying that I should talk about him or describe him. And I was like, well, one of the things I can say is that he was my father's favorite. And she was like, why? And she thought I was come to say that, you know, he really used to study. He was very focused in school. He was very respectful. And I said, because by the time he was about, so when he died, he probably was about 14 years old. By the time he was about 11, he could drive a tipper truck out of the house without keys. And my father just thought that this is the boy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even when, when he was, well, even in primary school, and the older ones were in high school, in secondary school, they needed him to show them how to get a car out of the house. And 
he could use any equipment available, whether it was a sardine key, a teaspoon, whatever, he would get the car out, or, and he would, he would be like, I'm only going to take it to the junction. You have to continue yourself. <laughs> and when you get stuck, you know, and I, there was a time that I was like, how did he even learn how to drive? Then I remember that when we are going to school, whilst everybody may be chit-chatting in the car, he would always want to be sitting next to the driver. And when the driver presses brake, then he too press brake. When the driver moves his hand this way, then he too. <coughs> so when we get back from school and parents are not there, he looks at the people in the house, he can see that, no, these people are supposed to be obeying me. I'm not supposed to obey them. Then he will make a move. And then one day, I think somebody saw him in, I mean, they, obviously, if he's 14, he's not even a big person. Somebody saw the Tipa truck because the Tipa truck had a factory name along it. So it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't something that was hidden. And somebody saw it and came to tell my father that I saw it. And they were like, they couldn't really see the person who was driving, but they think it is him, you know. And then when my dad got home, and summoned everybody, and it's like, did you move the track, this, and this? And he was like, yes, I had to move it because there was an emergency. And my father was like, come and give me a hug. That's my son. That's my son. <laughs> and my mom was very upset. It was like, instead of disciplining him, you are. Then one night, about midnight, I think my father was very unwell. And there were no drivers, nothing in the house. And obviously, if you come from where I come from, there's nothing like ambulance. We don't call 999, we don't call 911, we don't call 111, you know. So suddenly my mother remembered. She, that she was so anti why he was driving. She went to pull him out of his bed. It's like, we have to take your father to the hospital. He looked at the mother like, you need my skills right about now, you know. But everybody and the reason that they love. So we, all our bad ways, and our God loves us. In spite of the fact that we have been using sardine key and teaspoon to move and to manipulate things, his love for us is still unfading. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's also because when it is really needed, we'll also show our love to others. Amen. Amen. Why we should be so winners, number one. The context of belonging to a church is to be, number one, word-centered, and number two, community-centered. And for the last few weeks, we have been talking about being word-centered, isn't it? Word-centered is to acquire the word of God, do the word of God, and then now be able to teach and share the word of God. And that is why Ezra 7.10 the Bible says, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances all across Israel. Amen. So if you are a Christian, then you know that you are the church of God. Don't we sing the song, we are the church on fire. It doesn't say, yeah, it's not 53 Cardigan Lane. It's we that we are, yeah. Number two, it is wisdom. We all know what Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says 
I read the Amplified. It says that the fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise captures human lives for God. As a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. Amen. The one who is wise captures human lives, does not destroy human lives. You know, some of us, we are Christians, we don't win souls, but when souls are won, we destroy them. When souls are won, we lose them. Somebody say mercy. Hmm. Why we should be so winning? Number three, it is the reason Jesus came. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the Lord. Number four, we are chosen and ordained to be soul winners. We just read John 15, 16 and 7. He said we did not choose him. And then number five, we are commanded to go and share Christ. Somebody say, I am commanded. I am commanded to go and share Christ. Amen. Okay, she just sang it for us, isn't it? Go. Hmm. How to become a soul winner? Number one, first, from what Ezra said, first be an ardent follower of Jesus yourself. Do you know that the more you are into somebody, the more you have a strong desire to please them? If you have ever been in a relationship that held you tight, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. People have drunk and tasted things they would never have done, but they did it for love. Do you know that? Yes, 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 yes. People will be offered something to smoke, something to touch, and it's like, if you really love me, you allow me to touch you. If you really love... Please sing that song. You love me, really love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, really love me, feed my sheep. Lord, I'll be with you forever and ever until. Number one, first be an ardent follower of Jesus. When we look at Mark 1, 14 onwards, we look at Matthew 4, 17, you realize that Jesus first calls us in, unto himself before he will send us into our community. Mark 1, 14 to 17 says that, the New King James, he says that now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to me, them, follow me and I will make you become fishes of men. Amen. You cannot sidestep it. 
if you don't follow him, if you don't become somebody who is with Christ, you cannot execute anything for him. Mark 6, 17, the Bible says that, and he called the 12 to himself, and he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over, no, that's seven. Give me 17, please. Yeah. Where are we? Give me Mark chapter six. I want to read from verse number four. No, no, go up to verse number four, Mark chapter six. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and his own house. Keep going. Now he could do no ministry, mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Keep going. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power so what did jesus do first of all he called them to himself do you understand yeah 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 you know when when somebody says come to me it means that there is something that they want to tell you engage you in do you understand it's different from just sending somebody if you want to send somebody, they don't even need to come to you. You can just oh, go. Do you understand? But before there's anything else to do, he wants you to come to him. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You, can, so you see, there are a lot of Christians who come to church, come to the pastor, come to their fellow Christian, come to choir, come to whatever, but they don't go to Christ. And that is why what he really wants is not on their hearts. I believe that witnessing is one of the foundational, that's why even our foundation class, witness is a whole chapter, isn't it? Yeah, because it's a foundational thing, but it will not become a part of you until Christ is a part of you. Do, do you understand? Yeah, yeah. That's why in the, uh, John, it tells us that you will abide alone unless you abide in him and he abides in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Next one. So number one, first be an ardent follower of Jesus. And then you can become. That's how you become. The next one is that start from where you are at and where they are at. What does that mean? Everybody and their level, everybody and their environment, whatever level you are at your faith and whatever environment you are in, is good enough. Amen. I believe that one of the things that must be dispelled is that we feel that there are some people who have a special grace to share the word of God, to en encourage somebody. Do you understand? No, everybody, if you have been saved, then you also have it. You know, when you look at the story of Philip in Acts chapter 8, I read two of the verses, verse 34 and 35. It says that the Enoch asked Philip, so, you know, the Spirit asked Philip to go, and then he chased, joined the Enoch, sat with him, and then Enoch was re reading big, big things from the Bible. And then <laughs> Philip asked him, that, do, you, do you understand what you are actually reading? 
And then the Enoch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet, verse 34, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. So that was Philip's opportunity. So he started from where the Enoch had asked him. Do you understand? So he took that scripture, and that is why sometimes when we are even practically saying that, how do I witness? How do I share? You start be depending on where the environment you are in, who you are talking to, where they are at. Do, do you understand? If you get somewhere and the person is totally drunk or is extremely high, and then you go and sit by the person who is in a whole different cloud, Jesus loves you. Give your life to Christ. Like, what? <laughs> do, do you understand what I'm saying? What that person needs is where they are at. Are you okay? How are you going to get home? Can I find somebody to help you? You know, whatever. Get a person. Say, okay, I'll give you a call tomorrow to check up and make sure you got home okay. Do you understand? You call the person. You have to start from where the person is at. And then you begin to create that opportunity. Do you, do you understand? To share Christ. You see, the, the, the modern day Christian, salvation has been moved from a basic thing to become something like, well, that's the pastor's responsibility. But it's not. It's all of us. And what? But the more we have a burden of the reality of the concept of heaven and hell, the quicker we will desire to know how to even witness the more will become burdened. Some of us, we are living in communities that we ourselves know that the lifestyle of our housemate, our workmate, our schoolmate, our brother, our cousin, even our parents, is such that if salvation does not come to this house, they will not make it. But it's not a burden for us. Sometimes you, when you're even going to church, you're rather embarrassed. Where are you going? I'm just popping out. But when they are going to the nightclub, they will tell you and they will tell you which nightclub they are going or how many they are going to. Have you seen the faith of the gospel? And the devil deceives us that... You know, it's a bit some way. You don't want to be so forward. You don't want to be so, you know, it's quite obnoxious when you are going to tell people, you know, that the wages of sin is death. It's really, it's spooky. Which is spookier? What is spookier? Than the person dying and going to hell. Spooky fire and spooky word. Which one is better? You know, when Reverend said I should share something on this, and I was like, I am too passionate when it comes to the souls of men. So I don't like, I would rather, you know, teach on, because... All of us in this room, by the grace of God, 
we have a certain level of intelligence. We have a certain level of knowledge. We have a certain level of understanding. Even we ourselves, when we look at our lives, we realize that God has had mercy on us. You know, one of the things that was a blessing in my life, but at the time I didn't even realize, obviously, my brain was not even that deep to be thinking that way. You know, my brother that I was talking about that, he was an amazingly anointed guy. <laughs> yeah. And you know that can two work together except they be in agreement. So obviously, all the friends he had from the age of zero to when he died would have been round about the same who have the same characteristics in every shape and form. And one of the things, as I grew up now, realized that because he died as such, because he was in high school and he was in a boarding school and they went for dinner in the boarding school, came back into their dorm and then he died. And his friends, and that's what even makes you realize that even unbelievers can even be more trustworthy than. So these friends of his, obviously they remain to continue into, and then at some point I came to high school and my sister also. But these particular friends, because they had lost their friend, they decided to put all their love and care into his two little sisters. And in the whole of, certain parts of the whole of the country, they were known as the most notorious. You know, sometimes my mom would look at them and almost be grateful that God took her son the time he took. Because when she looks at the alternative lifestyle, it wouldn't have been good. They were very notorious in terms of if they were the kind that if they say they love somebody and the person says, I don't, you know, like maybe they'll tell the girl that they love the girl, they'll slap the girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, though, I mean, they were, they were, people were scared of them. But for my sister and I, they were our covering. So even if a, a somebody came and said, oh, I like this girl, then one of them in particular would say, her mother is very vicious. The only way is unless I talk to her. I'm the only person who can get, you know, all this I didn't even know. So he would either collect the person's car, the person's money, and then he would go and take some girls out, whatever. When he comes to the house, he'll come and tell my mother that, has my mother seen this person, this person? They are into very occultic things when it comes to young girls. <laughs> yeah, you know. But that was God's protection for us because we were in an environment where there were, there were a lot of bad people who did a lot of bad things. I mean, they did really bad things. Sometimes they'll get a young girl. When the young girl is taken somewhere, by the time she comes out, however many boys would have slept with her. And when they sleep with you, they don't want you on the street. They don't want to see you. They don't want to know your name. Have you seen how horrible they were? nasty but somehow I look back now and I realize that God used even though they were nasty God had used the whole situation of me losing my brother my father whatever to protect us 
He won't allow anybody to even say hello. Even if you are just walking by the street and he sees somebody say hello, he'll take the person's car number, take the person and go and locate them somewhere. And say, if you want your peace of mind, this should be your last time I hear, I see you saying hello. So I am grateful that God used all kinds of means to protect and save me. And for all of us, even though maybe our lives were messed up at some point, people abused us sexually, whatever. Somehow, God has washed you, cleansed you up, and put you together. The least you can do is share Christ. That's the least you can do. You don't need a whole lot. Your very life is okay. Let me give us two more so that we can go. Number three, emphasize the word you practice and not just the word you know. Emphasize the word you practice. You see, sometimes you are like, oh, I don't know the Bible. I'm not really deep in the Bible. I don't. The little you know is enough for salvation. How many of us know Billy Graham? Billy Graham's message for 60 or 70 years, however long he was preaching, was John 3, 16. He will have crusade three times a week. When he gets on the pulpit, turn your Bibles to John 3.16. And he was saving millions with one verse. He'll go to India, John 3.16. Go to Africa, John 3.16. Go to Europe, John 3.16. You know more than John 3.16. First Corinthians 9. We're about to close. May God give us grace and help us and help us. Yeah. Can you imagine if we had less of the backbiting, gossiping, I'm angry, I'm upset, they didn't talk to me well, they didn't visit me, they ignored me, they said this, they didn't mind me, they minded me, they were not this, they, were this. they, 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 they didn't, they, they didn't, they didn't, they First Corinthians, I read the NLT from verse 9. One of the things that I believe that going forward, any meeting we have in church. You see, sometimes because we feel like, oh, everybody who has come to a meeting, we know and they're already saved, so we don't do altar call. But my prayer for all of us, whether it's Ignite, whether it's a, whatever meeting you're having, have an altar call. Have an altar call. Have an, let's go back to the basic. Have an altar call. And you too in your life, your altar call is that every time you are interacting with people, some of us, we may have to just start from the place of, oh, I want to invite you to church. Because you might be nervous to, if you go and say a scripture and the person has questions and the person is maybe some apologetic senior student that. But at least you can just ask the person, what are you doing on Sunday? Will you come to church with me? Every one of us must see people and our mind must be on their salvation. Our mind must be on their salvation. Do you know that every drug dealer, when they see a human being, is a potential customer? Do you know the number of children who now sell drugs? Because the drug dealers, any human being they see, 
you are either somebody that they can use or somebody that they can sell to. But either way, when they see you, they see business. First Corinthians 9, 19, 27. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Which means that going forward, some of us will have to go beyond our comfort zone, but within context, just to be able to. You see, the reason why you cannot even invite your housemate or your friends to church or share Christ with them is because you despise them. Because you look down upon them. Oh, they're always drinking. They're always smoking. They're always here. You don't have to smoke with them, but if you sit with them, you'll be able to share the word of God with them. Obviously, if you are a former smoker and you're overcoming it, pass them on to somebody else. (laughs) If you have to go to the pub and share Christ with your neighbor because you want to go to a pub and you know that you plus pub don't work, send your neighbor, send your neighbor, send your neighbor, please. Verse 21. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Do you understand what he's saying? So what he's saying is that he has to have an appearance that meets the moment without changing his faith, without compromising his faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. And that one, God has to mold you into that. But you have to allow yourself and you have to put yourself in that place. Because all of us here, There is something about us that will attract unbelievers. There is something about... Sometimes maybe you are very good at sports, or you're very good at music, or you're very good... You know, sometimes it's even the gym. Do do, do you get it? How many of us knew that BK's previous life before engineering, he was a, a, a personal trainer? You see, most people don't know. Me too, I didn't know. Now I know. So he shall work on me. So can you imagine? Uh, okay, okay, it's not only BK. BK, your compatriot is also sitting by you. I, I, I tell you, we have some seats. Why are you looking behind you? Uh, you see, why are you? I'm, don't worry. I'm, yeah. In that gym place, you know, maybe people are holding their, um, what do you call the one with the iron thing in the middle? There, what do you call? Sorry? Oh, the long one. The long one that you put the thing at the end. Barbells. Barbells. I didn't say it. You say they say it's called barbell. And then maybe the person is holding it this way instead of holding it that way. Then you go and say, oh, excuse me. No, the way you're holding it is wrong. Let me help you. This is a, don't you think you're making a way for the gospel? But some of us, when we go to the gym, we are rather checking out people's. 
them with the Gentiles. <laughs> Verse 22, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. And verse 24 says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win, run to save, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. One of the things, as this last few weeks, as I've been learning and studying and preparing on the love team and everything, one of the things I came to realize is that we are always making room, and sometimes we say, maybe somebody say, well, I'm trying to change. I'm trying to. And I realized that that is the problem. At some point, you have to stop trying and start training. And start training. When somebody say, I'm trying to exercise. I'm trying to become fit. No, you have to start from somewhere. When you go to the gym, they have 1.5 weights. You take it. Then you hold it. It's like paper. Then you take it. You are training rather than I'm trying. No, if you keep training, you will get better. If you keep trying, you can stay at the same place. Yeah, I, I have anger problems. I've, I've been trying, but I'm always, it's not working. Stop trying and start training yourself and disciplining yourself. Yeah, I don't know how to witness. Start, stop trying and start learning how to. And begin to do it. And then you will get better. Last year I went for this boot camp thing. And I was standing next to this woman. Who is, you know the people who have been training. And now they have become like men. They, 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 they are, everything is defined. Yeah. When they say hold 10. Then she will go and hold like 30, 30. It's like whatever. You see when you say whatever. It's because you can't do it. It's not because she's doing something wrong. And somehow she took a liking to me. Now when I go and hold my five, five, then she'll turn and look at me. And when I turn, she'll come and add another five to the side. She'll be like, Gloria, just try, just try. But she was trying to train me. I, I don't know if it was, but someone was telling her, during the fasting time, you know, when the first time, and everything level is low, isn't it? Things are low, I mean, generally low. And then I went for some class, and when I went, the guy had given people five, five, I took the five, I said, oh, this five days is too small. And then I took the text. Then I sent to Reverend text. I said, me, I'm fasting. This one, I'm not fasting. My weights are bigger than this. Eish, what is happening in this place? But when you train, you will get better. Yeah. Without expression of trying, trying, trying. That is why we are still in this thing. I'm trying to stop smoking. I'm trying to stop sinning. Begin to discipline yourself. Begin to train your various parts of your body to be behave themselves. Number five, we are finishing. Yeah. Based on the scripture we have just read, God talk should become a normal feature of your everyday life. It should not be 
a bag rather than a bag. Do you know what a bag is in uh, uh, computers? Um, legends. God talk should become a normal feature of your everyday conversation rather than a bag. So I went to look at what a bag is. It says that a software bag is an error, a flaw, a fault in the design, development, or operation of computer software. Is that right? Sharp, 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 sharp. Haven't even finished. That causes it to produce an incorrect or unexpected result or to behave in unintended ways. So when there is a bug, it means that there's an error, a flaw, a fault in the design development, and it makes it not produce the correct or expected result. Yeah. So what do they normally do? They debug. Hey, you people. All these were not English words just a few years ago. But having that God talk should become part of your normal life. Some of you, you get good news. And even to say, oh, thank you, God. All you say is, that, I did well, I did well. How did you do well? I got a job. I got, yesterday, I got this amazing text from one of our sisters. She will come and share her testimony. It was just so nice. But you can see that as soon as the letter came through, her first excitement was what? God has done it again. God, that is God talk. The first thing that came to her mind is that this thing that I have just received is from God. This healing is from God. This breakthrough is from God. This opportunity is from God. That is God talk. Yeah. And you should not be afraid to speak it. The reason why the gospel has uh, is almost being intimidated is because those of us who are the church, those of us who are Christians, we ourselves, we have become intimidated by it. Next one, adapt a 24-7 approach to witnessing. Adapt a 24-7 approach to witnessing. To inviting people to you see when you meet somebody inviting them to church should just be normal it should just be normal there was a time that i used to say that you know the cicc pens you should have a few in your pocket do, do, do you get it you have a few he said that if you promise me you're going to come there i'm going to bless you with one of these pens whatever because sometimes you don't know the time and opportunity to witness to somebody or to even invite somebody. You know, sometimes somebody has come to you very broken and then they are like, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's a loss, maybe it's a situation, maybe it's a job challenge. Rather than saying, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, did I have, oh, oh. That is when your God talk should arise. Do you understand? That's when you're, if you have gone through a similar thing, that's when you share yours. If you haven't gone through a similar thing, but you can see they are hurting, you say, you know what? I don't know, but if you're available on Sunday, let's come. Church, maybe I'll get my pastor or somebody to have a chat with you. Come, you'll be encouraged. Come, God can do everything. I know the situation looks bleak. There are moments in people's life when they 
hole that belongs to God can be filled. And that is why Paul was like, if it's weak people, I'm there. If it's Jewish people, I'm there. If it's Gentiles, I'm there. Whatever it is, I'm going to try and put my place there. All of us must begin to find a way to spend time with unchurched people or backslidden people. That's the last one I want to give to us. We should find time to spend with unchurched people, backslidden people, you know, so that, but it should always be in the right setting. I always have to put that caveat there. Reverend says that we should be with unchurched, so wherever they are, I'm going, and right now, Today is Friday night, and this is where they are. So, why? Because I believe that as a church, CICC, we should rather be a messy church than be a pretentious church. Do you know what a pretentious church is? A pretentious church is the one that looks like everybody is righteous, everybody is holy, everybody is fully sanctified, everybody is... No, we should rather be a messy. If we are a messy church, then it means that we are saving. Because if you come to a church where you can find people that you can see this one, how did they get into the house of God? You have done something right. Because sometimes even when we decide that we'll do our personal evangelism, we are looking for people who look saved. We are looking for someone that you know that if you go and tell them that you want to talk to them about Christ, they'll be willing. They probably are already saved, and they can share day to their quiet time with you, and then you can share your own. But that's not what it is. No, 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 no. Have you seen the number of messy people in the world we live in now? Yes. So the church must look messy. The church must look messy. If you go to any hospital that you go that there are not sick people there, they should close the hospital down. They should close the hospital down. So if the church cannot take in mercy people, the church is not needed. The church is not needed. Because when people get well, if they are still in the place, then they are there either working, either visiting somebody else, either helping with the days. They become doctors, nurses, preachers, this, what everybody in in the hospital is helping somebody get well. Or is there to encourage somebody. So when you're in the house of God, you are either saved helping somebody else to get saved or helping somebody else go in their discipleship. But the church must be messy. The church must become messy. And the church will only become messy if we will go and find messy people and bring them into the house of God. One day I was telling Reverend, I said that I feel like I'm attracted to a particular category of people. And he told me that it's a special anointing. I said God should spread that anointing across the globe. Everybody must have some. Because sometimes what you don't realize is that that one person that you have just spoken to about the gospel, one day there will be a blessing, maybe not to you, but to your children, to your family. You have no idea what God will use them for. That even you will get blessed by it. Rise up onto your feet.